Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome on this Thanksgiving week to 1111 Talk Radio. It is a delight to have you here, and I want to express my deep appreciation and gratitude to you for showing up and listening and celebrating the many wonderful guests that I have each and every week. My intention is always to provide you rich content, beautiful conversations, deep dialogues, and awareness that you can take back with you so that you grow, broaden your mind, open your heart, and expand your life Today, I have another wonderful guest with me. It is Paul O'Brien, and he has written a book entitled Intuitive Intelligence, Make Life-Changing Decisions with Perfect Timing. He has a process called the Visionary Decision-Making Process. The Visionary Decision-Making Process is based on a vision, but it goes beyond visualization, attraction, affirmations, and obsessing about what you want. It includes coming to a decision and committing to an action, making your best next move and pulling it off at the right time. This is the only reliable path to achieving success in any area of life. By taking the trouble to awaken and engage that hard-to-get intuitive sense, you greatly improve the odds of achieving a positive outcome, regardless of what you focus on. Being decisive is a hallmark of maturity, adulthood, The ability to make a decision is a skill in itself, and making big decisions requires courage. Your decisions will define your character, allowing you to build trust and confidence to establish a path toward accomplishing your goals. In other words, visionary decision-making is a pathway to success and happiness, and Paul O'Brien is a successful entrepreneur who was going to talk to you about that today. He developed the world's largest online astrology service out of his basement, which he sold for millions in 2007. He authored The Visionary I Ching, a book of changes for the 21st century, and produced The Visionary I Ching app. Paul founded and runs the Divination Foundation, an educational nonprofit focused on cultural evolution. Also, The Theme of Pathways, a radio show and podcast he has hosted since 1984. You can find more about the Divination Foundation at divination.com, and I'll share Paul's website a little bit later in the show. Welcome, Paul, to 1111 Talk Radio. It's a delight to have you here today. Thank you, Simran. It's a pleasure to be here and an honor. I am interested in diving right into the material that you have written about, and I'd like to start first with a bit of your story, uh, and there was a particular section where you talked about being someone who was raised to feel guilty about even having wants and needs, who was taught to believe that all your needs were selfish, and you kept a reminder note on your bulletin board uh, to this day that says, I deserve to have what I want, and what I want is good for me. Uh, This goes into a section where you talk about property's shadow, and I think that's two sides of a coin. I think there's a side of us that wants and has desires and needs and feels like we're deserving, and yet there's this shadow culture that has to do with materialism, has to do with property, has to do with deserving that we kind of combat with. Talk a little bit about that as we begin the show and then move into, uh, we'll move into more of what the intuitive intelligence assists us in achieving. Right. Well, we live in a culture that, that inculcates uh, feelings of guilt and, and 
shame about having desires. And I was brought up in a family that where my parents grew up in the depression and basically um, if I had, uh, or if I expressed a, a desire or a want, it, it was an inconvenience and a bit of a nuisance for them. And I learned that, that I, and the word selfish was bandied about. And there are a lot of um, religious supports for this kind of attitude, too. Like, a lot of people think that, you know, the second noble truth of Buddhism is that desire is the cause of suffering. And I mentioned that in the book about how that's a mistranslation, and really the cause of suffering is craving or addiction, which is basically desire with uh, coupled with an emotion-backed demand. I've got to have this in order to be happy, that kind of thing. Or I can't have this. So it's either about some form of sticky greed or, or some form of aversion that causes suffering. It's not desire. Desire is a really positive thing. And without desire, nobody would even make the attempt to become enlightened or to become free from suffering or whatever vision that you hold for yourself for your own good. So desire is kind of a lodestar. We need to honor our desires. And that's why I came up with that thing on my bulletin board. That actually is fairly recent. I didn't have that uh, belief all my life. Uh, but I, I, I finally realized that uh, desire um, is... is uh, is is a, is good. If my desires are good for me. They're guiding me in the right direction. They're pulling me forward, and and if if they're not in conflict with the greater good, if they're not causing harm to me or anybody else, um, they're they're a beautiful thing. And so the whole book is about how do we manifest uh, our heart's desires, our natural uh, fascinations. Uh, without causing harm, and in part of the process is attraction, but also a big part of the process, as you mentioned uh, in your introduction, is decision-making, which is like the ultimate human skill, the highest leverage skill, and it's something that we are really not very good at. Before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about a couple of statements you have around money, because I think money sometimes can be uh, a huge obstacle uh, that stands in the way of people, number one, choosing what they really want, and number two, um, allowing what it is that they truly desire. And you write that money that is saved up or accumulated can be thought of as stored labor, a way of compensating its owner for strategic and determined efforts already made. You also say that it's a lot like manure. If we hoard it, it's toxic and stinks to high heaven. Um, And so we're supposed to spread it around so that it can be the fertilizer to help other things grow. So often individuals will move after the thing that is going to be what will make me money rather than the thing that is the calling. Talk a little bit about that distinction between career versus calling and where money, how money plays, plays a role in both of those for us. Right. Well, money is an important thing. I don't want to, I don't want to diminish its importance. It's a practical um, tool for um, making ends meet for, for uh, as a medium of exchange. And, and, it was invented after, you know, at the, from the beginning of civilization when we invented the concept of private property. You know, before, you know, Homo sapiens is about 300,000 years old. And, uh, but it's only been, uh, civilization is only, you know, five or 6,000 years old. 
And it coincides with some really interesting inventions that all happened at the same time, all hinging around private property. Because when we were hunter-gatherers or foragers, there was no hoarding. There was no, uh, there was no disparity of wealth. Everything was shared. But, of course, it was a much smaller group. It was a tribe of up to 150 people. And um, we didn't need money then. We didn't need a medium of exchange because everything wasn't divvied up and, and, and people weren't competing with each other uh, for you know, resources uh, to get through the winter and that kind of thing. Everything was shared. If you had an invention or if you invented a tool or if you discovered uh, some, some helpful thing and you didn't share it with your, tri- with your tribal uh, brothers and sisters, uh, you were going to be ostracized and you were going to be out on your own and you were basically facing death. So there was, no, there was none of this um, obsession with my, I, me, mine and, 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 and uh, property and who's got more and all of that. But civilization changed all of that. And basically what I'm trying to do is bring consciousness back to the, the idea that money is a form of energy that is meant to be circulated and shared. And so we have, we have a system that allows for that, but it doesn't really facilitate that. It's basically, uh, we've become so corrupted about money. And so people make money an end in itself and it becomes, you know, their, their source of personal meaning. And kind of behind the book, Intuitive Intelligence, is my story of how I was, you know, making pretty good money as an executive uh, in the high-tech industry, but I was not happy, and it was kind of a sterile environment and um, and, and dysfunctional, a lot of office politics, and, you know, not so dissimilar from a lot of people's jobs. People are doing things that they're not really in love with, but they've got to pay the rent. And that's okay, as long as it's not harmful. But I was called to, I I just got inflamed with this desire to create something new that was based on two fascinations that I had grown up with in college. One of them was uh, the I Ching, and the other one was multimedia software. I had visions of multimedia uh, in the 1970s, 20 years before CD-ROMs existed. So I basically left a high-paying career that was on an upward trajectory in order to pursue uh, doing something more meaningful to myself. And I never thought it was going to lead to uh, a lot of money, but I thought, well, maybe I could make a living doing something that I cared about, something that was meaningful for me. So I basically put meaning over money. And what ended up happening after 13 years of of, you know, just barely holding it together as a bootstrap entrepreneur, um, I created a business that uh, was worth, was doing 10 million in sales and it was worth a fortune and and, uh, we started to be pursued. But I never had an exit strategy. I wasn't really trying to do that. I was just trying, my definition of creative freedom, which is what inspired me, was the idea that I could make a living doing something meaningful for me. Not that I could pay off my mortgage or, you know, have a, a, a lot of wealth. That never occurred to me because what I did was I created I Ching software in 1989, which was just like probably the most harebrained business uh, idea ever. I would have gotten eaten alive on Shark Tank. In 1989, people didn't, who bought software didn't know what the I Ching was. 
And I had been passionate user of the I Ching my entire adult life. So I launched a company to, to publish I Ching software for the Macintosh in 1989, and everybody thought I was nuts, and I wasn't sure they were wrong. But I was happy about it because I, I wanted to give it a run because I loved the I Ching so much, and I was just fascinated by the idea that I could bring some multimedia flourish to it and create a new kind of software, which I called Ritual Space. And so that's, that, that's kind of my story where I put, I left money for meaning and the money came anyway. And so I'm basically trying to help people understand what money is about. It's not an end in itself. It's a tool. It's a medium of exchange and it needs to be uh, distributed. And so I say it's like manure. You know, because and Freud used to equate, you know, holding on to money as kind of a uh, an anal retention kind of thing. And so, um, manure is good stuff if you spread it around; it helps things grow. But if you store it and stash it and 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 hoard it, it stinks to high heaven and it becomes toxic. So it's just kind of a metaphor that I made up about it. That's a great metaphor. You, you talk a lot about synchronicity throughout the book, and you write that a synchronized, coordinated intersection between the head and the heart allows intuitive intelligence to operate in a context that makes sense. From the story of your life that you've just described, it sounds like you followed your heart, but there had to also have been the intersection of your head and logic and planning and some of the things that are required uh, to to have allowed it to get to where it's going how much of that was right. part, how much logic, and how much was timing and synchronicity? Well, you know, there certainly was both. And I had been in the uh, high-tech industry as a marketing executive for 15 years, so I had a lot of experience in uh, direct marketing. So I had, I had skills. I had a core competency, which was direct marketing. And I, my business didn't really take off until the Internet came into being in the late 90s because, boy, that was a wet dream for somebody who knew how to do direct marketing, uh, like direct mail and that kind of thing. I mean, imagine email with web pages. Oh, my God. I thought, hey, I know what to do with this. So I was kind of prepared from a head space uh, with a skill set of uh, that really made a big difference. Um, and the heart part was what I was talking about before was I was just uh, in love with, I had so much reverence for the I Ching, which is a divination system that um, it comes from ancient China. And it's one of the classics of the Taoist uh, philosophy. And I had been a student of the martial arts when I was uh, in college. And so I became I introduced to it and uh, became fascinated by it. So really, when I threw caution to the wind and took my life savings and created a prototype of this divination software, which I called, by the way, Synchronicity. So my very first product that I ever uh, produced was called Synchronicity, and it was an interactive I Ching program, which necessitated me writing my own version of the I Ching, which was the first uh, book that I ever wrote, but it was only existed in the software format, and now it's in our app, and we have a Kindle version. And so that was really where the heart came in, because I was in love with the I Ching and the whole idea of it, and I was in love with the idea of multimedia software, which didn't really exist yet. In 1989, multimedia meant having a slideshow with a tape recorder. So it, there were no CD-ROMs. 
But um, so I, I just thought, well, you know, I got to do this. I, I'm so fascinated. I'm so driven by um, my own personal interest that I have to give this a try. And I didn't have any safety net. I didn't have any family money or any investors. I had about 50000 in savings. And, um, but I knew that uh, I couldn't lose because I was going to be doing something that was meaningful to me and something that I loved. And I was going to learn so much in the process. I had this intuitive sense of that. And, um, and I also knew that I could always probably go back to being a high-tech marketing executive uh, if I needed to. So that was really my only safety net was my own confidence uh, in my own resourcefulness. And this is what I tell people, you know, nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take your resourcefulness away from you. Nobody can take your creativity away from you. These are really the only sources, the ultimate sources of security in life. And so it's good to remember that, and, and, and we have this connection to what I call infinite intelligence, which is the, you know, the ultimate reservoir of, uh, of resources, um, and that's where all good ideas come from. That's where inspirations come from. That's where synchronicities show up. That's where archetypes come from, and so as we cultivate our intuition, we can notice these things, and we can notice intersections between things. And we could also notice patterns that aren't fleshed out yet. So we can, you know, uh, find the missing dots in a pattern um, or read between the lines. And we will dive more into that right after these messages. Intuitive intelligence is intended to help you take note of those make-or-break moments when using your intuition can help you decide your next best move. Learn to reawaken and tune up your intuitive sensitivity and to harness new beliefs that change the way you approach situations, opportunities, and relationships. Once you learn how to activate intuitive intelligence when you need it most, you will more quickly realize visions that align with who you are. This is from the book Intuitive Intelligence, Make Life-Changing Decisions with Perfect Timing by Paul O'Brien. You can find out more about this book and his work at intuitiveintelligence.org. We'll be right back after these messages. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Do you want more? More joy? More abundance? More power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? More empowered community? Greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 
11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. I'd like to invite you to explore this month's issue of 1111 Magazine. There are six incredible individuals that are featured highlighting their work and their wisdom. The magazine is created so that you not only gain access to individuals that are sharing their light and their wisdom in the world, but that you are also being modeled the capacity that you have within yourself to create, to expand, and to share in service with the world as well. You can always access 1111 Magazine digitally for free on the website, 1111mag.com, and it is also available as an audio subscription if you are someone that likes to listen rather than read. In addition, we've just launched some online courses um, working with the alumni of 1111 Radio and 1111 Magazine sharing even more of their wisdom in some beautiful power-packed courses that you can access. Those also are available at the 1111 Magazine website. My guest today is Paul O'Brien. He is a successful entrepreneur who has developed the world's largest online astrology service. He is the founder and runs the Divination Foundation, an educational nonprofit focused on cultural evolution. And he also has his own radio show and podcast themed Pathways. Uh, You can find out more about his work at intuitiveintelligence.org. And the book is entitled Intuitive Intelligence. And it is divided up into three sections. The first section is exploring the real meaning of success, the problems of poor decision-making, and the key psychological forces that support intuitive intelligence. Part two describes the techniques and practices that comprise the visionary decision-making process, focusing on a strategic vision, understanding how our triune brain affects the decision-making process and how to work with it, which activates your intuitive antenna. And part three explores the philosophy of intuitive intelligence, which includes upgrading your belief system and experimenting with new visionary beliefs, along with enjoying a synchronistic lifestyle. Welcome back, Paul. As we dive more into your book, it is packed with a lot of wonderful information. And you talk about there being three levels of the decision-making mundane, tactical, and strategic. 
where are we in those and which one do we need for the visionary decision making? Well, mundane has to do with, you know, the everyday decisions like should I take this route or take that route? Should I buy this brand of toothpaste or that brand of toothpaste? So we're not talking about that. I mean, we make thousands of decisions every day and decision making is, like I said earlier, the highest leverage human activity there is. But I'm basically talking about strategic decision making. Uh, Tactical decision making is basically what's the next best move I could make. Strategic decision making has to do with changing directions in our lives and those life changing decisions that are referenced in the subtitle of the book, um, how to make life-changing decisions with perfect timing. So that's basically what the book is about, is strategic decision-making on a personal level. And I sort of compare it to being a CEO. You know, we, we CEOs make a lot of money, I, I think arguably too much money uh, in this realm, in this era of huge disparities of wealth. But nevertheless, they make a lot of money. And what is their primary What's the primary reason for that? It's because their primary function is to make executive decisions. And the same thing with politicians. We give them a lot of power in order to make decisions for, presumably, for the collective good. So decision-making is the royal skill, but we are terrible at it. And in terms of strategic decisions, these are the ones that are going to determine your success and happiness in life more than any other thing that you do. Of course, you have to execute the decision, but first you have to, uh, you have to, you have to answer the what question, which is, what is the right direction for me? What is my vision for myself? And so that's the first chapter in part two, which is the how-to part of the book that you mentioned, is, is coming, getting clear about the what question, what is my vision? And logic is very helpful in that realm, and I have some exercises on uh, logic in the book that are superior to pros and cons, which is basically all that most people know when it comes to logical analysis. Um, but then there's the, um, the when question, and that's the timing question. And we'll get to that. But, you know, speaking of the vision and how to engage intuition around your vision, um, we have to get clear. We have to have a clear idea of what it is we want, what it is that we want that's kind of um, organic for us, that it's, it, we're wired to want this because it's, it's related to our heart. It's related to um, what is, is most meaningful and inspiring uh, for us. And so intuition gets involved in that too. It's like we have an intuition about um, some intersection between two things that we want. Like in my case, it was the intersection between uh, the I Ching and the uh, vision of multimedia software. And so it wasn't until 15 years later that um, I had the aha moment where I thought, wow, I was taking the I Ching to work because it was so dysfunctional and I needed some help just maintaining my balance. And it's this big book and you cast these coins and you get a reading that helps you, that stimulates your intuition to think outside the box. And I was using it, you know, every day. And that's not a normal thing. Usually I would use it, you know, maybe once a month if I, if I had a problem that logic couldn't handle. Well, there's a lot of problems logic can't handle, like relationship issues, uh, negotiating strategies, office politics, timing questions. You know, uh, logic can't really 
do much for those kind of questions. That's where intuition comes in. So if you're going to make a big life-changing decision like changing careers or, or changing uh, major relationships or, or moving to a new city or something like that, those have got to be guided by uh, your intuition because you're looking at a much bigger pattern. You're looking at your whole life and you're trying to fill in the dots and you don't have all the data. You can't foretell the future. So you've got to, you, 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 intuition is kind of this higher level of intelligence that's more related to the heart, whereas the intellect is, is really a tool of the ego, which is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a very good thing, but it only can take you so far, and it'll take you to ta- good tactical decisions, but it's really the intuition that invents things or that discovers new inventions by filling in the dots in a much larger pattern. So basically, this is a book about looking at the pattern, the very large pattern that is your whole life, and tuning into your intuitive sense in order to allow yourself to take advantage of, of signals that come to you in your life in the form of synchronicities um, or in the form of other, uh, or, or you can use divination, uh, paying attention to what's unusual or in play. So we... We get outside the box of, 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 of logic and we can be, uh, come inspired and really moved to go towards something that's going to, um, that's going to turn us on and that's going to uh, uh, fill us with uh, inspiration. So we well, can't I think do that. you talked we, a little bit about you know, people falling into logic or I think so often it, it does come to that place because we do live in a very mental society and it's easier for people to say, well, here are the pros and the cons or this is, this is what makes sense right now, this is practical, to, to allow ourselves to trust not only intuition, but that we are tapping into intuition can be a big thing for individuals. And you talk about three oh, stages yeah. of life. You talk about us up to 30 years old and then the time between 30 and 60 and the time after 60 and how they are stages of, you know, one is the learning stage and the second is the building stage and the third is when we finally are mentoring and teaching because we finally figured things out. So in that process of those three stages how do you have someone understand the balance between their logic and their intuition? Because it becomes hard for people to trust so often in this mental world. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, the way I define stage one, the student stage, is all about um, experimenting and trial and error. And it's about learning who you are, what you're good at, and what you love to do. And I recommend the best way to do that is to try stuff. And to job hop and date around. You know, it's, I, I think people need to do that in order to discover what fascinates them rather than feel like, oh, my God, I've got to commit to a, a career at the age of 19 and, um, and it's got to you know, be something that's going to make me a, a millionaire before I'm 30. And, you know, everybody's in such a hurry to achieve success as defined by society that they don't really even know themselves. And they're making these really huge decisions that could put them deeply into debt before they're 26. I mean, your brain doesn't even stop growing until you're 26. So I really encourage people in stage one to focus on the, 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 the primary strategic decision in stage one is around, okay, what should I try next? Or what skills can I experiment with that supports something I've already tried and that, you know, really appeals to me. This is what we should be doing in stage one, not just locking ourselves in 
to lifetime decisions. And then in stage two, the, question, uh, the questions become different. The strategic uh, um, questions, uh, their decisions that we have to make are more around, okay, how do I uh, develop uh, skills that are going to support um, whatever I'm committing to? In fact, what am I committing to? That's the, that's the commitment is the harbinger of stage two. It's where you're going to build something and you're going to get to a place where you can provide, where you can provide for yourself and possibly for others. Um, so we have to make decisions about how to go about cultivating skills and how to master those skills, and that's in stage two. And in stage three, which I'm now in, is the patron stage or the mentor stage, and that's the strategic question is, okay, how do I give back? How do I, um, how do I contribute is, you know, in the best way without becoming unbalanced uh, for the uh, fourth quarter of my life? So... These different stages uh, drive different strategic decisions. But something that kind of gets in the way all the way along are emotions. And a lot of times we're using logic in the service of emotions rather than in the service of inspiration. And strong Mm -hmm. emotions are the enemy of, of intuition. Things like fear. That's really powerful, that statement, that using emotions in the service of logic rather than intuition um, talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. that, Paul, the distinction between those two and kind of the path each one would lead down. Well, I think that strong emotions inhibit our ability to access our intuitive sense. And that's what we have to be careful of. And, uh, and what I was uh, getting at is that strong emotions often drive decisions that we make as best we can uh, using logic, but often they derail logic too. And by strong emotions, I'm talking about fear and craving or addictive uh, compulsive uh, choices that we make in order to avoid pain or the uh, pursuit of pleasure. Um, so when we're driven, I have this the funny thing. I, I coined this thing. I call it O'Brien's law. It says the stronger the emotion, the less trustworthy it is as a basis for decision making. Mm-hmm. And that's such a surprise when people hear that they think, "Oh, no. I thought you're supposed to go you're just supposed to trust your feelings and go with the strongest feelings." And I say, "Well, you know, intuition doesn't show up as a strong feeling. Intuition is a subtle sense compared to the other five senses. It's it it shows up as a as a small quiet voice or as a subtle gut feeling, but it doesn't it doesn't like compel you to do something. So anytime that you feel compelled to do something, you know, you, you can bet that that's ego driven and that there's some kind of fear or craving that's being, that's instigating that on the emotional level. So we have to get free of, of these overpowering emotional states before we can access intuition, which is kind of a, a, a paradoxical challenge because it's when we're under when we're stressed out and under the influence of strong emotions is when we need to access our intuition most. So that's why I wrote the book is because it's so hard to access your intuition when you need it the most. Good decisions require responsible attitude, a specific well-honed skill set, and coordination between logic and intuition. Making strategic decisions skillfully is the secret to success in every area of life. It's an art, and it requires more than logical analysis of pros and cons combined with the courage and positive thinking. Farsighted decision-making also depends upon intuition, imagination, timing, receptivity, 
attitude, and commitment. Your perspective, belief system, and attitude will determine the quality of your decisions and ultimately the extent to which you fulfill your destiny. Paul O'Brien calls this level visionary decision-making because it is as strategic as a personal decision can get, because it is based on self-knowledge, strong natural desires, and your unique vision for yourself. It is a way to consciously resolve major choice points and dilemmas that come your way and to make bold decisions that align with who you really are. This is from the book, Intuitive Intelligence, Make Life-Changing Decisions with Perfect Timing by Paul O'Brien. You can find out more about his work uh, at both websites. First, his uh, found the founder of the nonprofit focused on cultural evolution, which is an divination.com and you can go to his own website intuitiveintelligence.org we'll be right back after these messages it's your world motivate change succeed voiceamericaempowerment.com Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. 
Intuitive Intelligence by Paul O'Brien is about establishing a fruitful relationship with a form of higher intelligence that is not strictly logical, that is way beyond rational, so that we can find solutions outside the boundaries of what we know now to deal with the kinds of problems that science and logic can't handle. Knowing how to make the right moves at the right time requires a feeling-based skill that bypasses the structures of the logical analysis. We can refer to this innate human capacity as intuitive intelligence. Welcome back, Paul. We were talking a bit about the different segments of life and getting to know ourselves. And probably one of the biggest questions on the planet right now that people ask is, you know, what's my purpose? How do I discover my purpose? And there is a degree of self-knowledge that has to take place. But with so much bombarding us outside, whether it is through social media or whether it is through uh, cultural influences, so often it's hard to discern exactly what it is that that an individual actually wants to do or what their true desires are. How does the process of the visionary decision-making, what is the precursor? What is the foundation uh, that allows us to move into that place where we can be open to that intuitive intelligence? Well, it all starts with self-knowledge. And that's the, uh, that is the proper priority of of stage one that we were talking about earlier, and that is the result of trying things and discovering what fascinates you. Now, if somebody's in an uh, if somebody's you know in an older stage of their life, that's okay. You can still go back and, and and examine. Well, what fascinated me, even if you didn't follow up on it. I mean, we all have a day job, and I think you know that's there's, we shouldn't feel bad about that. In fact, it's good to have a day job. Everybody has a day job. I mean, Britney Spears, you know, she's an artist, but she's got, you know, five managers and she's got to manage her managers and she's got to pay taxes and everybody's got to do stuff uh, in terms of uh, getting along in the world at the ego level, subject object, in order to uh, make ends meet. And that's a good thing. If you can, if you have a day job that doesn't uh, compromise your values because it doesn't harm anybody and it doesn't harm you. That's the Buddhist definition of right livelihood. Right livelihood isn't defined as having the perfect job that fulfills your heart and soul. It has to do with making a living doing something that doesn't bring harm to anybody. And that's a lot to be grateful for. But in order to find the creative fulfillment in life, we don't have to just limit ourselves to whatever our day job component is. We can start to uh, experiment with the things that, that, that turn us on, with the things that fascinate us, and, and, and develop some skills in those areas, even if it is a secondary thing, like doing art or writing poetry or writing the next great novel or whatever it is that somebody might be inspired to do. And they say, oh, I always wanted to be a, a songwriter. And, you know, I, I, I didn't do it because I, I, I didn't think I could compete and make a living doing it. Okay, maybe you won't make a living doing it. You don't need to make a living doing it now. You've already got some kind of uh, a career path going, but there's no reason that you can't do it on the side and that you can't sort of use it as an expression of your soul. So basically, you know, we're evolving uh, towards more soul consciousness. The ego governs the the bottom three chakras, if you will, you know, security, sensations, and power. And it's, 
it, 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 it's important. It's a, it's a stage of development. We have to be able to operate in the world. We have to operate as a subject, and we deal with objects. And the objects are the, our objects of desire or our goals or, or, or what have you. And, and, but then we can get beyond that, and that's where intuitive intelligence comes in. It's sort of the intelligence of the heart, which is the fourth chakra. And then you've got the fifth, sixth, and seventh chakra, which are where you're getting into the spiritual realm of, of what I call soul. So we're all evolving towards more soulfulness. And I, that's what I'm trying to encourage in this book is to help people see that you can be the master of your own evolution by making better decisions along the way. This isn't a, a how to get rich book. This is a book on how to achieve success on your own terms, in terms of contentment, in terms of satisfaction, in terms of creative uh, inspiration that turns you on. So that's what I really want to, that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm still evolving. I've got uh, new things that I want to do, or I'm looking for inspiration sometimes. It just, it's a lifelong quest for um, personal and spiritual development. And that is really the definition of success. So it all starts with defining success for yourself, which is why that's chapter one of the book. The book definitely speaks to enrichment um, on an internal level and really allowing an individual to start also listening to what it is that their soul is desiring. And I, I think you write about that beautifully both in the creativity section and also when you're speaking about the power of play. It is almost as if we are here to return to that creative power, power of play, to have that fulfillment, to have that pleasure, to have that enjoyment and return us back to what we originally came here for in terms of desire. Right, exactly. What are the obstacles to intuitive intelligence? What would oh, keep... Oh, yeah. Well, the obstacles to intuitive intelligence, primary obstacles are fear. Um, either we're too emotional and we're, you know, we want, we're, we're impulsive uh, on the basis of some, you know, uh, desire for instant gratification or for an instant fix, or else we're too intellectual and we, we process things too much and we're putting off decisions in order to um, get more information. And, and, and basically the biggest obstacle to the intuition is the, is the mind itself, is the ego-driven mind and all of the noise that's in the system. So we've got this constant chattering going on in our mind and we're bombarded. Uh, the five senses are being bombarded constantly with stimuli, uh, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, etc., that uh, is, is so distracting and, and really just commandeers our, our consciousness such that we don't have access to our intuition because we can't tune it in. It's looking for a very fine signal. It's kind of like a ham radio back in the 1950s. You know, you're trying to get this, this signal from Bora Bora, <laughs> and there's all this noise on the line because of, uh, it's, it's, it's a very delicate signal. Intuition's kind of like that. So we kind of got to get out of the way. Meditation helps. I've got some exercises in the book, uh, mindfulness exercises, that are not so complicated and that anybody can, can use. And so we just need to learn to pay attention to a higher order of things that um, are more subtle, like I say, connecting the dots, you know, this is synchronicities are like that. You know, what is a synchronicity? That's a meaningful coincidence. What makes it meaningful? What makes it meaningful is your intuition's ability to perceive the connection between these two things that happened. 
It's another sort of intersection in the, in the, in the uh, dimension of time. And so that's where timing comes from. Synchronicity is the definition of perfect timing. Everything's unfolding perfectly in the timing sense. It's just that we're not in sync so that we don't, uh, we don't uh, notice that. But when we start to notice it and we start to notice these meaningful coincidences, these are signs. It's like in the Bible, it talks about signs and omens. These are the signs and omens, and it takes intuition to decipher that, to, to read the meaning. Same thing with, it, with, with divination. Like if you do a tarot card reading or you do an I Ching reading, it's your intuition that gets to the real meaning, which is between the lines. You don't have to take whatever the text says literally. It's not designed to tell you exactly what to do or to predict the future. It's designed to stimulate your intuition by forcing you to read between the lines, by presenting you with archetypes that can be interpreted in a number of different ways. And you you interpret the archetypes in the way that makes sense for who you are and where you're at right now. So intuition is hard to access because we have to get out of the way. That's the big obstacle. We're in our own way. We're trying to control things. We're trying to make things happen. You talk about the synchronistic lifestyle. So there is a way to live continuously in synchronicity. Uh, and the way I, I actually believe we're always in synchronicity. But, but when we, you talk about the synchronistic lifestyle, what do you mean? I mean exactly what you just said. We are always in synchronicity. It's just that our awareness is, is lagging behind. And so the synchronistic lifestyle is just about becoming more aware of how synchronistic everything is and leveraging what I call visionary beliefs, which is the chapter before that. It's called Belief Engineering, which goes to show how we limit ourselves by clinging to what we've always believed or what we were taught when we were four years old. And instead of doing that, we have to upgrade our beliefs and be open to new information and, and, to, and to be paying attention. So if we can do that, if we can experiment, and we can actually invent beliefs, we can, I call them visionary beliefs, and we can try them out and see what happens. Like, for instance, the belief that everything happens for a reason. Well, I believe that. I can't prove that, but I find that to be a very useful belief because it makes it easier for me to accept things starting with that, and it makes it easier for me to have faith that things are going to unfold in the right way, and that even if I don't know what the reason is, I take comfort in believing that someday I might, but it doesn't matter. It's not my job to know what the reason is. It's just my job to to flow uh, with the energy. It's like surfing, you know, you can't control the waves. You have to, you know, you have to wait. You have to just uh, find your balance point and go with the, with the waves to come along. But you have to be paying attention and you have to uh, be tuned in to what's going on around you. So that's the secret of the synchronistic lifestyle is knowing that everything happens for a reason and starting to notice uh, what the reasons are. And you talk about the benefits of tracking the synchronicities to develop more of that belief, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I have this uh, uh, thing in the book about keeping a synchronicity journal, which is where you uh, write, it's like a dream journal. And dreams are synchronicities too. I mean, a dream is synchronistic in the sense that why is this dream coming to me right now? Why are these archetypes arising in my consciousness while I'm sleeping right now? It's not an accident. There's, there's, there's some connection there. So we can keep track of our synchronicities the same way. When these amazing coincidences happen, we can write them down and we can you know, take our time 
and, and, and process them over time. It's not like the universe is saying, hey, look at this. This means this. No, you have to like dwell on things. You have to sleep on things. You have to let things percolate. You have to get out of the way of this hurry sickness that we have uh, where we've got to make sense of everything right now. We've got to fix everything right now. We're, in a, we're always in a hurry to get to some outcome, and, we're not, and we miss so much of what's going on because of that fixation. With the, the philosophy that you have in your book and moving people more from that logical state to the intuitive state, it sounds like a, a living from the inside out, it, an ability to really start from a centered place in every step, in every decision, in every creative aspiration, and then move it out into the world, which I believe is the way we were intended to live. We were intended and designed to be, but we were kind of drawn out into the outer world as we came into this world. When we're talking about living from the inside out, how has has that changed you? And we only have a couple of minutes left. How has that really shifted things in your life as you've gone through your three stages? Well, it's helped me have a sense of uh, more um, agency in the sense, you know, we are defined, you know, at a very early age. We're told what to think. We're told how to feel. We're told what to believe. We're told who we are. And we sort of, and there's some, you know, that's that's necessary to some extent for parents to do that and teachers to do that. But we have to go beyond that. And once we go beyond that, then you know, we have a lot of creative freedom. And for me, that's the rallying cry, creative freedom. And what I like to tell people um, when they ask me if I have any kind of general advice, I'd say, my slogan is, take the risks that grow you. So if it's in alignment with who you are and what your heart cares about, do it. Go for it. See what happens. You can't lose because you're going to learn so much, not only in terms of skills, but you're going to learn so much about who you really are, and you're going to find a higher level of personal uh, satisfaction uh, in your life. Thank you, Paul, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. The book is Intuitive Intelligence, Make Life-Changing Decisions with Perfect Timing. Timing is everything, and great timing is 100% intuitive. But accessing intuition is most difficult during the stressful periods when urgent decisions need to be made. Armed with the techniques and intuitive intelligence, you will learn how to leverage the synchronicity principle to improve timing and your intuition to make wiser decisions. Next week, my guest will be Gary Bishop, so I hope that you will join me. I'm wishing you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Again, check out Paul O'Brien at divination.com. Until next week, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey. 